roll with me, the colors start to come back. Won't you roll with me? Welcome to Radical Listening, a Portland podcast where we talk to local artists about their current projects. I'm your host, Phil Johnson. That's at Phil Johnson Live. And I'm Clifton Holtznagel, the co-host. And you can find me on Instagram at Holtzbagel. That's H-O-L-Z Bagel. Now, uh, today we have two guests who are currently members of the Institute for Contemporary Performance, and they've got their final show coming up called Lost, Found, and the Liberation that Accompanies Both. You can see that at Coho Theater, May 16th through 19th. I'm really excited about these guys. We were able to see some of their work today, and I honestly, I was blown away. I love audience interaction. I love clowning, and I think that... Uh, this piece in particular has got a lot of great qualities. I'm very excited to talk to these guys. Yeah. What's great is there's going to be seven small performances within the entirety of the thing. So we've seen a few of them so far. And uh, we're going to get to talk to Bailey Brown and Julia Brandenberger. Bailey, how are you today? I'm great. And you can find me on Instagram at Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-Y-B Brown, B-R-O-W-N. Yeah, she jumps right in. I like that. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Julia? I'm doing well. I don't have an Instagram yet. That's fine. <laughs> no Instagram. Uh, no. No Instagram. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Facebook. But you have to add her as a friend. OG. You can't like her as a page. Oh. No, you can like me as a page. You oh, can you like can? you as a page? Here, let me, uh, let me tell what's you how to the find deets? me. On, all right, it's, it's Facebook, Rogue Theology, R-O-G-U-E space t-h-e-o-l-o-g-y nice <laughs> I gotta bailey say, what's so funny Clifton started this whole spelling your 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 ad out and it's really caught on is i don't know that i'm a fan <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have to do it no it's great you know I, it is it is what it is so in case you don't know how to spell phil johnson live uh, can you tell us how to spell phil johnson live end, you can wait till the end of the show where i'll be spelling it forwards and backwards wow. that's really quite impressive well now you have to commit to that you really got to do it well, no. <laughs> you think i'm joking but i'm i'm actually very serious yeah i'll also be you don't know the kind of shit we'll add in post <laughs> so guys um uh, uh, glad to have you with us um Please tell me about how you got involved with um, ICP and uh, how this project in particular uh, got started. Well, this is Bailey speaking again. I happened to do the Del Arte Summer Intensive with Clifton a few summers ago. And that's a three-week intensive physical theater program. And I was looking at different programs around the country to get involved with. And um, it just was the the right time for me to expand my skills. I was looking for something to completely push me out of my comfort zone in the physical theater realm. And I found the Institute for Contemporary Performance. And so I decided to move up here to uh, attend the program. Great, great. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, I came from Philadelphia. I moved here last July. And... um, yeah, I, I'd been doing devised theater in Philly with, uh, I started at Headlong in their program, Headlong uh, Dance Theater, and that was in 2015, had been devising work since then, and when I got to Portland, I was looking for um, devising groups, theaters to get connected with, uh, and I found the training program, and it was a lot of material that I hadn't done before in devising and physical theater, so yeah, that's why I went for it. That's awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. So... I mean, so obviously, when I was looking at your piece, I could tell that you have a heavy dance background. Um, what dance did you did you do, and how did how did you transfer from dance into theater? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. So I'm a Quaker. We have this phrase called way opening. Okay. And then there's also way closing. Okay. You know, so like way opening is like opportunities arise and just pop up, and way closing is like nope, 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 nope. So dance for me, I'm I'm a ballet dancer. Um, and the ballet world is just a hell of a lot of way closing, but the good thing about way closing is it points you in a direction. So for me, it just started to feel like, okay, I love dance. I've got to stay connected to it, but there's something else out there for me. There's more out there. I have to keep looking and exploring. I know I'm a performer. Um, and I started improving at a music festival and like, just found that, whoa, like I really love playing with people. I love playing with an audience. I'm a comedian, and then just from there, I, I took off clown and 
everything else yeah awesome <laughs> yeah awesome and so in your in your background so how did you how did you make that transition i mean were you always um in comedy specifically or were you were a theater person growing up or my first memory is riding an elephant that's serious that's your first memory <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you just kind of woke up on an elephant one day it's like this is how it's gonna be no it's like it's like whenever i was i don't know in middle school i was like mom did i ride an elephant and she's like yes you did and i was like two and a half yeah. and that's how i kind of knew that that was because i remembered it being hairy and being surprised that it was hairy and being on top of it but um Whenever I was 18 and I was leaving, I, I was always a class clown in, in school, mm-hmm. at least through high school. I was too shy before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to get into clowning with a friend of mine who was traveling around uh, the United States and doing street performance. Okay. And so that was my first real introduction to clown besides going to like circus performances or seeing them put up the tent whenever I was a kid and that sort of thing. But like actually like being involved with it and trying to do things like um, balancing Mm -hmm. like a pool stick on your hand and transferring it to another or doing it on your chin or whatever. And then um, I was a radio professional for 14, 15 years Mm -hmm. and I ended up in Humboldt County, California and they have one of the best um, physical theater programs in the world and it showed me that clown can be connected to theater which Mm -hmm. i love and it showed me some of my favorite things growing up like charlie chaplin and uh the three stooges like can be realized on stage and uh, after being immersed in that community for several years i knew that i had to having a reporter background i need to have um viewpoints from many different angles Mm -hmm. and so i was looking for a a program that was going to give me a different a different viewpoint and so um that's one reason that i decided to come up here i know that many of the um people that are involved with the program have a deep background in um like the city company from new york and so that was really neat and i've heard that philip uh is great and i've had experience so i know this now he's great to work with in the clown realm and so um, I wanted to uh, seek a program that would help me enhance those skills. And it's part-time, so I was able to go to school and work so I didn't go into debt, which yeah. was awesome. Mm-hmm. Which is important. Huge. Very mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, um, I was wondering, because you, you've been so plugged into the Del Arte community for a while, right? Because you, you did the three-week intensive, but you've been like going to their showings for a long time. Is that true? And I lived in Blue Lake. Right, so you were around so... them all the time. You, you know what that's about. I, I was just kind of wondering like what... Um, what are the differences you've seen between the Del Arte program versus ICP? I never, I, I haven't, I never took the professional training program, and I never took the the three years master's right, program yeah. at Del Arte, and so Del Arte is way more character based, way more Lecoq based, way more. Uh, although it's like a an meldly of many different styles whenever you're into that program um here it's also a medley of different things it's or medley rather (laughs) different things um but they focus like the del arte program they don't really go over suzuki they don't really have um i noticed maybe it's because one of our cohort members is really into grotowski but i've learned way more about him and i know that they only do that for a very short time Mm-hmm. Um, at Del Arte. Also, they um, cover Ann Bogart a lot more mm-hmm. um, in the um, in the ICP program. I, it, it's just different ways of approaching different things. Totally. Yeah. For either of you, um, is, is there any um, any any one of the methods at ICP that has been resonating you with with you most strongly out of the out of the several methods they teach? Well, I'm a clown at heart. I mean, I just, um, I think Philip's style of clowning emphasizes like sharpness and crispness. And I'm coming from um, a pachinko background and that's really, it's so improv. And so when I first got into Philip's clown, it was like, we're setting clown. This is, (laughs) this is outrageous. What the hell is this? But I mean, it, it, um, it helps to 
kind of land the like he he's really into like land those takes with the audience and like yeah. and like your energy coming from your solar plexus because I was always taught like eyes and I, I don't think that's wrong but also having right. it you know um, energy from the solar plexus pointing in a certain direction and being crisper and sharper. Um, I think that that has dramatically helped my clowning. Um, I still have to put it in my piece, that kind of sharpness. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I feel like I've learned from, from him a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, you were hitting the sharpness pretty well. I, I, I could see Phillips training in there. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Good job, Phillips. But, you know, there's always, that was hard for me, too. You know, it's like right. that, that very specific, like, just, you know, remembering to even, like, land that take before you exit or whatever, you yeah. know. It's, it's, it's. It's a really cool exercise to be holding so many things in your mind at once. Be like, have try to have some sort of freedom and expression, but then also remember these very technical things about like hit that mark and hit that mark. But when I don't know, totally, when you learn what's funny and then how to accent it, it, it lands even better. You know, yeah. it's funny that you say that because the the piece the the clown bolero piece is about. Um, mixing clown and ballet and I've seen so many overlaps in them and that's another one it's like how to have that freedom of expression mm. while also hitting these very specific things and a million things going on in your head at once that you, you have to kind of scan and do it all and then remember what's most important and prioritize and so yeah it's like there's there's a lot of similarities there. yeah yeah totally <laughs> How about you, Bailey? Any 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 one of the methods in particular that's been resonating with you? Yeah, you happen to be in the room with like the two clowns in the program, right. like the two <laughs> clown enthusiasts, rather. Although the, there are some like all of our ensemble members are fantastic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at clown, um, but uh, Julie and I are doing the most clown in the in the production right piece, and so um, we're obviously the most attracted to that. And Philip's way of clowning, it's, um, I see it's, uh, inspiration, the, the commedia influences within that. And I really mm-hmm. like, um, being able to have that and being able to feel the, the sense of timing more for certain things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really attracted. I get really excited about his, um, Classes actually at times plan flights around going to clown clown. <laughs> 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 be able to make it. I had yeah. to go home because my mom was sick a couple times. Um, but yeah, I, I love that, and um, I also love the viewpoints training as well. Yeah. And it was um, yeah, I, I did not know too much about viewpoints beforehand, but then doing <laughs> it, it's been really really fantastic. Yeah. Great. So um, I, I'm interested to talk a little bit more about the show that you guys are performing next week. Um, so how what was the seed for for that show? What was what was the first, you know, gesture or um, source material that kind of start that sparked the performance? It'll it'll be different. The answers for that will be different for probably each person. because yeah. We all really have separate pieces. Um I, the, the spark for Clown Bolero came in, actually in November of last year. Um, that's when that idea first sparked and I thought, okay. And then I, at first I just did it in my living room here mm-hmm. in January. And then, um, then it, it worked its, you know, way into the, <clears throat> the program. And then it was like, okay, this has to live through the program and live out through the show. Um, and then finances came in January, I think. About January, yeah. Hmm. And so how did finances start? Did you say, hey, I want to I talk about artists and finances? or? <laughs> well, I wanted to um, make a character and really explore deep character creation. And that was something that I really wanted to do. And um, Julia had this great proposition for taking this serious information that she's been working on about how it being so difficult to be an artist in different ways that people make it work and trying to do a presentation in order to show like share that information with people but in an entertaining way and so originally Julia was not going to perform in the piece and August who does Mr. Blue was performing in it and so august and i had started by 
uh, just doing some writing mm-hmm. after reading uh, Julia's research. Mm-hmm. And then we wrote each other compositions, okay. um, which is basically some prompts with how to start creating something. And we did a series of like four to six of them and um, started developing our characters from those. Okay. And so the costumes that your characters are in, at what point did that come into the room? Were you, did you, do you develop the clown character first and then you layer the costume on? Or do you kind of find the clown character through the costume? So the, <clears throat> the inspiration for, for those, um, at first there were three of them and they were all motivational types. Mm-hmm. So there was one new age speaker, motivational speaker, like you can, you can do it, you can like heal your life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then there's the workout instructor who's like, you got this, yeah. keep going, keep pushing. And then there's the dominatrix mm-hmm. who's like, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. really like, you know, these three types of motivation. And um, the dominatrix was in there for like <laughs> a hot second and then it kind of fell away. And then uh, what happened is I actually got an, um, a disc injury to my spine. And then I started having to do intense, like really intense PT every night, physical therapy every mm-hmm. night. And as I'm doing this physical therapy, then it just like sparks in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm, what I'm doing to my back to re, like, rebalance my muscles, that's a metaphor for what we could be doing with this whole lecture, you know, <laughs> like finding some way to, to give a, a, an art therapy, or not, or a revenue therapy to our artistic practice, how to balance it so that we don't injure ourselves and burn out, you yeah, know, essentially. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, okay, I'm the fitness instructor. Um, and then how did the hell did BJ how did that happen yeah well (laughs) august gave me a prompt to have a character that hopped the ore green originally okay (laughs) and so it's bj started out as kind of like an elf and then um kind of turned into a character that was inspired by a raccoon um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of walked into the room one day. With, and you're like, you're with right. my glasses on, and with the- with with BJ. It it started with those others, and I was searching around to the dominatrix for a minute. But then BJ just kind of wanted to come out, mm. and so uh, Billy Joe is my character's name, and she's a seventy year old accountant. And I wanted to explore um, what it was like to be older mm. yeah. um, earlier, and I had expressed that, and actually played an older witch kind of lady in a smaller production that we did in um, December. And so I've wanted to know what it's like to move and to have the energy and to have the body of somebody who is a different age group than I am. And 70 is like as far away as I could fathom. <laughs> trying to go and i am way more in the creative realm nowadays although um i used to be super into math and stuff and so i guess part of me is still kind of there and so (laughs) i um i just walked in and i had the glasses and i put a work light right in front of me and it had this great effect and um yeah that, yeah. that was BJ. And originally she wore a sweatshirt that said, um, I can make the world better. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I, I like, it's funny because like, you say like, went from elf to raccoon to 70 year old lady and that might sound ridiculous, but like, I'm like, I can see that. You know, like looking at the character also, you know, I can see that. And I, yeah, they look, yeah. It seems like there's a lot of like really relatable frustrations that kind of come out in this piece. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you guys feel like there's <laughs> kind of an element of catharsis for you in this piece? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was really excited. At first, you know, I do the size in the beginning. And then Philip suggested, and during the song, during Jock Jams, he's like, why don't you just scream? And I was like, that's what it feels like. Because these are really what they're supposed to be a prayers. And that's what it feels like. It's like, God, please fucking, oh, excuse me, I don't know if you, you can, but, cares. you know, like, just, God, oh my God, how, what's going on? How am I going to make this work? Duh! You know, and like, <laughs> it's, it is, it's so cathartic. It's like, this is what it feels like 
to be an artist in America. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's like, why does yeah. it have to be this hard? Yeah. Why is it this tough? Like, why do I have to work like 80 hours a week? Right. Yeah. Like doing several different things. <laughs> Just to make ends meet. And yeah. like, I'm doing everything that I want to do for like, basically free. Just yeah. because nobody respects what we do, you know? I mean, we we have to entertain and then we have to work. One of the parts that really uh, impacted me was that moment when you mentioned, oh yeah, you're, you have to be a creator, but then you have to be a marketer. And then you have to be a project manager too. Because you're a project, project, manager, manager. <laughs> you're a pro- project manager too, obviously. Yeah. I thought it was also funny, you were like broke it down and I don't want to give everything away but you basically broke it down to like well if you want to make like a reasonable living it's like you know you got to bill yourself you know $30 an hour 8 hours a day 5 days a week and it was just like hilarious you're like ha 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 to make $45,000 a year it's like we're just like yeah right (laughs) and $45,000 a year is not a lot of money even a lot of money yeah 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 most people are like You know, trying to make more than that. Exactly. Right. Most careers that's, start with $45,000. I was going to say, that's an entry position. Right, that's, yeah. I know. And I talk to people like my sister, who's like a social worker. And she's like, I'm trying to find a new job. But, you know, if they're not talking about $60,000 a year, I don't even know I'd apply. I'm like, ah. But to be honest, making $60,000 a year in social work, I don't even right. know how you do that. No, it's entirely relatable content for any entrepreneur, really. Because my, so my neighbor is, um, she's a career coach. Mm-hmm. And she felt like, oh, she felt like, um, yeah, this this was totally relatable to me. She I don't know if she would identify as an artist. But yeah, for anybody who's trying to push their own... Um, I mean, artists, we are just individual businesses. And if you're trying to push your own business, it's, it is. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just... yeah. But then other pieces within the uh, festival also go on the same topic. Yeah. Like Lady in Pink it right. talks about how crazy it is that you have to to basically block out your schedule yeah. so much. And I think there's something about that program, this pro- that program in particular that teaches you about it. Because, I mean, it's like I did college. And that was like, I was just going to college when I was in college. I was lucky enough that I wasn't really having to like support myself while I was in college. I like but how then, you phrase that. I did college. You know, like, <laughs> right. Cause then it was like, then I did this year long program. It's like, yeah, I'm doing that, but I'm also like working all day. And there was like a five month period when I didn't have a day off. Right. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and it just made me think, do I really want to be doing this? And I've worked in a lot of production jobs and factories and stuff like that and I talk to entrepreneurs and and a lot of small business people like one person businesses I've worked around people who were like doing that and um like this one guy who makes a coffee drink and he's like yeah it's one thing to make like a good product like a lot of people can make a good product selling it's the hard part you know and it just when you just said it reminded me like right because we're businesses and you know there's a lot of great artists out there with no idea how to sell what they're making right. and that in a capitalist society like capitalism it's gonna fuck you up so it's true it's true for all all the young artists out there don't do it i mean (laughs) keep going no 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 study business (laughs) study business and then become an artist no for real that's that would be (laughs) if i could business and if you can still make art while you're doing it then you can be an artist all of my favorite artists are businessmen no i but for real like if you could if you go to your undergrad get some sort of research what here's my advice research the highest paying jobs that you can do part-time if you can get a job that is like no and i've gotten close with field marketing i'm super close but if you can get a job that is 30 hours 30 dollars an hour and you can work Mm -hmm. like 20 hours a week you're gonna be okay and then you need to learn also how to invest essentially i mean like i'm not i'm not an investment pro or a business pro or anything like that but we need to be able to create our own um retirement funds well of course, finances in Clown Blair are going to be awesome, but also the rest of it's going to be awesome too. Great, yeah. We're, we're going to start off with a completely immersive experience mm. that's going to probably push your boundaries. It's the mountain goats, right? And, yeah, mountain, mountain goats. Yeah, I got to see a little, uh, <laughs> little run through of that earlier, participate in a run through of that. And the question is, did you dance? Oh, I danced. Yeah, I did the whole danced. thing. I went through it. Did they do? The, did you get to go through it? Yeah. Nice. He went through it. Good. Yeah, we both. Well, I didn't go through it, but I danced. You danced. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. The night that I came in, teach we were me how to roll. 
it's been a long time since anybody's rolled with me. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, Keegan cracks me up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, you got seven pieces of that. That's the first one. Yeah. And then there's Lady in Pink. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of that? Whose is that one? That's uh, one of Claire's. Claire is in three now. Oh. Yeah. I just saw the Claire and Keegan piece. Palindrome mm-hmm. Missions. Yes. Yeah. Which was, yeah, exactly. Which was great. Which is going to come after intermission. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, who do you think this, this show is for? You know, like if you were to say our target audience, you know, thinking like a marketer, as we all do. Because we are. Well, this, this isn't a smooth financial move, but I, our target audience is artists for sure for finances. I mean, I want people in that room to feel like they're really seen, um, but also to have uh, people who aren't as aware of um, what really goes into the work of being an entrepreneur or an artist, just kind of get a, get a look at it. So, ooh, here's here's a good financial strategy. Yeah. Let's get lots of investors in that room. <laughs> <laughs> it's our target audience. Yeah, our, our, tar- our target audience is investors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should go to Nike and put up our flag. Oh, Here, what do you guys think about this? This is something I thought of recently. The difference between art and entertainment, right? Okay. Art needs funding. Entertainment breaks even. Entertainment. Thoughts? Entertainment profits. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Breaks even. Well, yeah. Profit. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. I thought there was. Well, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> it depends because a lot of a lot of a lot of like art makes a lot of money as well. You know, like, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. high concept art. Sure. Uh, Such as. But then a lot of movies nowadays also. Uh, Meow Wolf. Money on the budget. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Meow Wolf. Do you know Meow Wolf? Yeah. 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 So I think. I think it's art. Totally. Yeah. It's making lots of money. You know what I've been seeing? You know what I think that they do? And I think what a lot of people do that's been working well is when you, um, when an organization hires independent artists to make their art. Because I think that's what a lot of Meow Wolf does. Yes. I'm not sure how much, I mean, I'm sure they have a core group of people, but I, from what I can tell, I've never gone there. It's like, how would you describe Meow Wolf? It's like a interactive, big, is, installation-y type is, place you can go to interact with art, yeah? Exactly. It's like the quintessential installation, interactive, um, fully submersive, you go into another world, you go into another dimension type of deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I can tell, though, it's like, yeah, they've got people that work there, but they also hire out people to do specific parts, specific installations. Correct. And I think yeah. that's what's been working is the people can, who... Uh, the people who can connect people with art are the ones actually making the money. Right. But they're also the ones who will pay you as an artist to make the things. Right, so, right. Yeah. I think That's definitely funding. not... I would call that funding. Funding? <laughs> because, they, because the artists, I mean, probably making money, but like the profit, the breaking even, goes to the people who are doing it, and they're yeah. maybe entertaining people with what, what they're putting together. Right. I don't know. Well, there, there's a um, an article in the New Yorker or something along those lines, but it was, it was saying that Meow Wolf might be the new Disney World. I mean, it's a stretch, sure. but they were no, saying that because that. They, they're cropping up in DC, Denver, um, Vegas. Wow. You know, so they're, they're, they're growing. And people want to see that stuff. Exactly. That's what people are really actually wanting to see. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, back to the show. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely not for kids, but I think adults should come. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see 16 plus, although none of the content is like any. Yeah, do you think there's anything content wise that really a, 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 a child shouldn't see? I don't think so. They're just not going to. I mean, I, mean, I just think attention. Yeah. I just think attention spans. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like interested a, in art, maybe they'll want to see it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a kid would love your guys' show. Yes, yeah. I think that, um, yeah, 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 I mean, they're not going to necessarily get it, but they yeah, I think jokes, they're. But you guys are funny enough. Yeah, but, yeah. You yeah. know, the characters. It's are animated. Enough, you get it's that. It's animated, yeah. The voice yeah, in yeah, that yeah. megaphone, let me tell you, it's quite perfect. That thing's hilarious. Thank you. Um, so I, I actually, w- with this process of you guys, you kind of, it seems like you guys kind of break off into groups to work. How often do you guys get to see other people's performances? Do you just kind of sneak in on other people's rehearsals or do you kind of, are you blind to other people's performances before opening night or how does that all work? We have Sunday's showings every Sunday. We, uh, since February, I think we've been able to see the other people's work every Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's been really great and really inspiring. And we um, overlap in the weirdest ways. 
sometimes. <laughs> what What are some of the elements about some of the other shows that you guys like? The other bits. Well, there's um, there's a kind of a beautiful. I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, the Mr. Blue has this kind of beautiful physicality about it that I really like. Um, At times, I feel like I want to cry whenever I watch it. Yeah, it's it's just it's got a it's got a really lovely physicality to it. It's and just... palindrome machines is based on is that Anne Bogart? Wait, or Nina, I... she's in the Nina Bausch. Is that the Claire? Nina Bausch. Yeah. She's been talking about her for a while, yeah. and I saw, I think I saw some video from that and. I'm wondering if that's because I know she's heavily influenced by her. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that is also really cool to see um, Claire and Keegan move mm-hmm. in that way. And Mountain Goats, the found objects and the sense of play within mm-hmm. that. It has some heavy David Lynch influences to me. I felt like when I was watching that one, I felt like I was like Agent Cooper in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, was, it almost felt it was a little man talking to me, and then there was a blue, a blue flower, which is um, like blue velvet, the blue rose. It's, yeah. a whole, it's a whole motif throughout, like hmm. Lynch movies, and so I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> there it is!" <laughs> so that really that struck me. Oh, and I liked it a lot. And Falling Man too uh, has some very beautiful but sad moments. Although that I know that they are still in the midst of. Um, you know, developing it mm. and making it come together. And so I am very excited to see what that ends up turning out to be because I've heard some things. I'm going to maybe see some more on Sunday. Yeah. Does, uh, and then there's a lot of, like, water elements to it. Does that, Do you think all of them have an interactive element? or Because I feel like the ones that I've seen have had that, but not all of them. Mm-mm. No, okay. I would say palindromes does not. Yeah. Lady in Pink... Uh, no, it does not. Um, and then the um, the falling man does not. So okay. yeah, I would say Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue does not. Yeah, yeah. So three pieces four. have interactive. Yeah, you've just seen the interactive. I've ones. seen the three interactive ones. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's why the interactive ones are like, yes, please come. We need an yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been there. <laughs> Something I've noticed about theater being produced by like our generation of people is that we really like that interactive quality. There, there seems to be kind of a big push for audience participation. Have you noticed that? Or is that something that you actively think about? Or does it just kind of come... Even if it's just doing squats and, and yeah. handing out cookies? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, you... Because I, I, I honestly think about it as when I'm an audience member, I'm like, oh, you want me to do something? You know? So that uh-huh. is no longer just breaking the fourth wall. Now it's you're kind of crossing the plane and you're saying now... You're, you're, you're giving me a job to do. Yeah. And so it just seems to be something that is prevalent in modern theater. Is, mm-hmm. Okay, I, I will notice. throw those pants at you. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> right, waiting yeah, for that. The, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for me, that's kind of um, the cornerstone of all of my pieces. I really don't think I've ever made a piece. I tried with Clown Bolero, I think. <laughs> but I really don't think I've ever made a piece where the audience isn't holding my hand. Mm. And, um, and that starts with where I got my, you know, I said I was, I was doing ballet until I found improv. Well, it wasn't just improv. It's actually, I was doing like a ghost tour, taking people on this journey through the campground. And when I bust into their campsite, they're acting out, like I make people get up and act out the story that I'm telling, you know? And so it's really, uh-huh. everyone is in on it. And yeah. they're like, oh, it's not just like this chick performing Mm -hmm. we're all making this piece of theater together and it's a blast you know and like for me like that's really what gets me off Mm -hmm. that's that's why i do this kind of work it's like yeah so yeah Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's a need to retrain audiences to be more participate participatory in my experience no because i think um i think if you just set the piece up in the right way they're they're willing to go there um that's that's my experience that they they just want to do it. Mm-hmm. If you make it explicit too, like the way that you have like numbered bags, it's like they like to know when it's actually time. Because there's something about audience participation where you kind of sometimes feel like the performers are like trolling you or something, right. and you don't want to be completely trolled the whole time. You're willing to play along until it feels like okay. Like, are you just making me do this to, like, make a point about how I'll do anything you say? Or, right, like, you know, right. that sort of thing. So that's, like, a fine line to walk. And 
I don't know, I've been involved with a lot of projects where, like, we want to try to do something interactive, and then it kind of falls away just because, I don't know, theater people aren't trained in how to do that, and mm. it <laughs> becomes too hard to figure out or whatever, but it's it's a fun line to walk, and it's, I think, where a lot of innovation lies is figuring out how to get audiences to help out, or, like, like with the whistle, like, how, how do you as a performer kind of orchestrate when the whistle will happen? Yeah, 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 You know, exactly. to let yeah. it happen enough and happen at good times. And, right, right. But that's based on when someone else is going to do it, so how do you make them do that, right. you know? Yeah, and a lot of that is also just testing testing the um, the waters with people. And, you know, when I have, I've, I have a very serious performance called The Funeral for Expectations, where I ask people to sit in a circle with me, and we go around and we talk about our dead expectations. And that's a very personal thing for mm. people to do but they're so ready to if I've done the performance right if I've really nailed my expression in the piece they're like they're ready to, to just jump on in because they just want to so it's, it's about setting it up in a way where the audience is feels like they're helping to make something and they're like I made this too you know and it's, it's different than like coercion or anything yeah yeah, yeah. How did you feel about being the easel earlier in finance? Being the easel? I was worried that my arm's going to go out. Um, I found it hilarious. I'm always one who will raise my hand when it's time to, like, they're looking for someone. But it's mostly because I'm like, I don't want to sit here while people aren't raising their hand. <laughs> so I'll do it. Um, but, I, yeah, that was funny. I mean, I was like, yeah. It was just funny because I was like, okay, I'm going to try to, like, be an easel and not laugh and then I was just like completely engaged and it was just funny couldn't that was one of the funnier parts of the show it was happening at that time too so yeah, you, <laughs> you were fun. dying yeah. I came out you were dying because <laughs> you were screaming about your cat and all that Christmas suit, so. I will say I Roger looks is- good yeah if you want to walk away with a with a picture of a, a cat um with a stuffed animal this is the this is the this show, is, this is the show. The show for you. <laughs> I was gonna say I do think finances has a fair amount of um, coercion to it. You know, having yeah, just yeah. said all that, I do think finances does does that kind that was, of thing. Like, the, are I you gonna get up or not? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after all the other pieces are like, yeah, we're gonna take care of you. <laughs> like finances is like, yeah, we're gonna have you come up here and stand here during a freakout. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and there's also, I think, one of the things is like with the whole. Uh, the squats and the repetition of it is when someone tells you to start doing something then just keep going and they stop referencing that you're doing it you wonder if they're ever going to tell you when to stop and then <laughs> do I just have to stop on my own or else I'll be doing this forever so that that's just like one of those things that's like in the negotiation of making audiences do things it's like don't make them feel like you forgot about them right right, like, right, 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 right. <laughs> well like Finance is, is like trying to do all the things that are wrong, <laughs> but make it right. Yeah. yeah totally. Cool. Uh, let's move to our next segment called Headlines. Our favorite segment called Headlines. We, we look through the papers and the internet and we try and find some of the more provocative and interesting things online and we just want to get your take on them because our audiences want to know. Great. Um, so give us some headlines. That's Julia. Not- no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Man, that is totally what I'm Googling right now. Oh, good. <laughs> so uh, the first one I, I got says, uh, McDonald's released a new meatless vegan burger. And that was USA Today. So how do you guys feel about these meatless burgers, the meatless burger craze that seems to be taking over? I'm highly allergic to coconut. Does and, coconut have something to do with meatless burgers? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like the, like the Impossible Burger, full of coconut. What? Weird. Like coconut meat? Coconut meat? <laughs> well, yeah. Like the, <laughs> there's coconut milk and there's coconut meat, right? There's like the meat of the coconut. That's like the, 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 the soft part. It's the It's, it's the, like the part that the they make flesh. flakes out of. The I just know they have enough the in it that it's like, no, so, no I go. But, but, but I, I, I don't go to McDonald's anyway, so. Well, true. I, 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 I haven't had fast food in... 2007. Well, well look at you. So whatever. <laughs> I know. Look at this. Woo! I didn't have Life any goals. Taco Bell today at all. <laughs> I promise you that. 2008. It's 2008. I always thought the meatless stuff was uh, like grown in a lab. I didn't know it had anything to do with coconut. <laughs> was it like the impossible? Well, they're oh, yeah. That. It's, it's grown out in a field. Well, you I know? think that's yeah. the... Um, they're, they're, they are doing that like lab-grown meat stuff, where they're actually yeah. That's what the cells. that's what this one is. It's yeah. lab-grown meat. It's that's, not. It's not. It's not a vegetable. It's not a thing. plant-based. I don't think so. It's I a lab-grown. Yeah, I think lab-grown meat is hitting the shelves. 
I didn't so. think that that was in the McDonald's one. I had heard recently that that was like at this point like ten thousand dollars an ounce or something because of the way it was. But I just thought that far be it from me. I've I only heard the headline. You can only buy it with Bitcoin. You can only no. buy it with Bitcoin. <laughs> I know a lot of people are moving away from meat burgers because like meat is bad for the environment, like beef. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of growing meat in the lab, um, and uh, I would eat it. I am not above eating fast food, although I know that there are many problems with it. I oh, eat look myself at for this cheap. One man's meat is another man's passion. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is prescient. <laughs> that is good. One man's meat is another man's passion. I kicked burning terror so hard in the balls that I tore my tendon. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling man saying it. Yeah, I like that. I'm sorry. I, I kicked, wow. Kicked burning terror so hard. When was a terrorist burning and why did you kick him in the balls, bro? I think, you know, if he's burning already, let him go down. Uh, you save your tendon. <laughs> Don't get no tendonitis. All right, here we go. Denver, first in U.S. to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms. And that's the Denver Post. Hey, hey. Is this good or bad? It doesn't surprise me. Really? Wasn't Colorado the first one to decriminalize pot? I thought Alaska was, actually. But I don't know. I, I'm, making I'm not sure who up. did that one first. But, I mean, Denver was definitely up there. I think they were the first ones with recreational. Birthright. Um, with recreational marijuana. You know, I think it's... Uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, it's it's the first step in uh, the legalization process and, and, and making sure that people aren't going to jail for the wrong things, you know? Yeah, I think that's mostly... I mean, I, I'm wondering who is getting caught with mushrooms, like, by the police. I don't know how often that has to happen. They said it but... happened, like, three times in the right. last ten years or something like right, that. Right, yeah. Oh. yeah. So <laughs> not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> not really. They already weren't worried about it, so they're like, let's just officially not be worried about it anymore. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, it gets it out in the conversation, and I mean, I, I think psychedelics in general, people have been looking at their uh, the positive benefits to them, and I think that's the first, uh, first step in... Um, a greater acceptance and uh, less stigma around people who use mind-altering substances. It's true, and it also—I mean, there talk. There's a lot of talk about using it for uh, uh, depressed, treating depression, and mm -hmm. things like oh, that. Oh, totally. But I mean, totally. yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of potential medical potential with a lot of these things, but um, I think they also, you know, just use that to get their foot in the door for people to be able to do what they want, mm -hmm. which is a cool thing. So, yeah. There. You Drunk Amish teens crash buggy into police car. Rumspringer. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> crash buggy. <laughs> Two men robbed at the robbed of their marijuana in Westlake after practicing medieval sword fighting. Robbed said. of their marijuana while they were sword fighting? <laughs> they had swords. What the fuck? How are you going to let someone steal your pot if you've got a sword? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hilarious. Is that Westlake, Ohio? I don't know. Because if it was, that'd be funny as fuck. Because that's it would be a strange place for that to happen. <laughs> I, I can look. I could try to look. No worry about it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Robbed of their marijuana. I'm looking. I'm. I, I. I just googled funniest headlines. Hot dog vendor relishes his job. Oh. All right. On that note, <laughs> let's do plugs. Who's got the plug? So yeah, who's got a plug? You got anything you want to plug? He's got the plug. I do, I do. Yeah. Call me. Tell us, Julia. Yeah, What's your okay. plug, Julia you there. you there in the front row. Mm -hmm. Right mm. there with the, with the yellow headband. Well, th thank you. Mm. Okay. Thank oh, no, okay. I've got to type in my you password one more time. Excuse me. Um, hello, oh, I'm the you. representative for the Solo Festival 2019, Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Solo Fest. Okay, Solo Fest is a do-it-yourself festival dedicated to new experimental work focusing on solo performance that is low maintenance and low stress. Hallelujah for that! Alrighty, Solo provides artistic opportunity and impetus for artists of all disciplines to create work that defies conventional theater expectations. Fantastic! I've got a little bit of a southern drawl going on now. Okay, now Switching Solo... Regions. Switching regions, solo festival is run by volunteer labor. Therefore, it's free for artists to enter. Free labor. 
free. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> okay, yes, is it is mean? free labor. Okay, the the 2019 festival is June 13th through 23rd. If you want to put a piece in a piece, let me start over. If you want to put a piece in the solo fest, we want to see your piece. Go to solo fest. Damn it. Go to solopdx.com slash join. And how do you spell solo? Oh, let me tell you. It's S-O-L-O-W as in solo to the ground. DIY. Free. Performances. Pay what you can. Performances are not free. They are pay what you can. Free for artists to enter. Solopdx.com. <laughs> and you're and you're plugging that because you are entered in that, correct? I my boyfriend Colin. Excuse me, I'm so close to this. My boyfriend Colin and I are the festival directors for Portland. We are putting this whole thing on. Oh wow! Yeah. And is this a uh, this has happened other other places? Yes. This started in Philadelphia in 2010. Uh, yes, by a group of solo artists. They were all doing solos together, and then they decided, hey, why don't we just make a festival? So since then, it's grown exponentially, and it's just it's amazing because it gives artists an opportunity to just make and show something. Mm. And I'm, I'm doing the performance in my living room here. Um, where we are right now, yeah? Where we are right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and the festival really encourages artists to use spaces that are going to be... Um, Non non traditional, um, so that the overhead costs are really low. See, that's great because you had reached out to me about doing this, and then I got all freaked out because I realized I needed to find a space, and I was like looking all around. Um, but then you're like, what if you just did it before my piece in my living room? And just I was come like, to oh, the living room. So yeah, just come cool. to my living room. You know, and you know, and... now that I've seen your piece, the Clown Bolero, and its dance influence, I had been going. I had like two kind of piece ideas, and one of them is. Um, a tap dancing <gasps> routine. Yay. And uh, I don't know how to tap dance. So I feel like we perfect. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yes. What yeah. size do you wear? What size do I wear feet wise? Um, usually like a nine, but it depends on the brand. Sometimes it's as low as an eight. I found at, the other day at Goodwill seven <laughs> women's tap dancing shoes. Seven Damn. women's tap dancing shoes. You found seven of them? Well, <laughs> how, how, do you have anything to, that you want to promote I'd like to plug again Yay, excellent. lost and found and the liberation that accompanies both May 16th through 19th at Coho Theater at uh, 2257 Northwest Raleigh Street so um, come out and see it you can go to peteensemble.org slash ICP festival not as insane clown posse the, as an institute for contemporary performance. <laughs> that was a just thank you for that make distinction. Sure that you do that. Although, if if you want to come in, you know, dressed as a clown, we're not going to say jellos. <laughs> I don't have any projects necessarily coming up at the moment. Although I am hoping to be doing a slime workshop at Shift Festival, so keep your eye out for Doctor OK. That's me. I'll teach you how to make some slime. Otherwise, um, I'm really hoping to see uh, Fire and Meat at Headwaters uh, over the next, I think they're running this weekend. I want to see that too. And uh, that would be, uh, they're they're running uh, yeah, just this coming weekend, which would be, what is this coming weekend? The 10th-ish? Yeah, we'll call it that. Up at Headwaters. Uh, take a look. Um, why is that? Stuff. Why is that? Oh, it's some, uh, some, some people I know are doing that. It's a, uh, it's a, it's, 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 it's take on the, the Grendel story, I believe. And um, Eve Johnstone is the one who I believe wrote and directed that. Rutabaga Story Company is the, the theater company there. Um, and she's a, she's a real go-getter. Uh, me and her and Claire, who's in it, and someone else, um, we all dressed up in uh, full-on black bodysuits the other day and did some weird shit in a room for a video. So, um, good people. Go see it. <clears throat> Great. Uh, for me, uh, while we're talking about devising, um, uh, the Vanport Mosaic Festival um, is running um, the weekend of May 25th through June 2nd. Um, that's led by Damaris Webb. And they're going to put together, it's kind of like a short, you know, 20 minute piece uh, that they've put together over the last six weeks or something like that. Um, I've been involved with that. I'm doing sound design for it. Um, it's It's funny and uh that is happening it's happening at the uh interstate fire cultural center 
5340 North Interstate Avenue. Again, that's the weekend of May 25th. It's coming right up. Um, I also did design for Cop Out, which will be opening next weekend and running for two weeks. So if you get a chance to see Cop Out, you definitely should. Um, and thank you guys so much for... Sh- for Thanks for hanging in there, yeah, y'all. Thanks for showing us your work and uh, letting us come into your home and record. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Next, again, time, next yeah. time we're charging you. Great. Thanks again. I'm Phil Johnson. That's at Phil Johnson Live. P-H-I-L-J-O-H-N-S-O-N-L-I-V-E on Instagram. Backwards. Twitter. Is it backwards? Yeah, backwards, backwards. We want backwards. And this is Cliff and Holt Snoggle again. You can figure out the spelling on your fucking own. Radicalism. Radicalism. Y'all feel a little bit more active. 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 The others will be here soon. You'll meet them. Y'all feel a little bit more active. Y'all feel a little bit more active.